0: Everyone. Welcome back to another week of Tudor Talk Time. We hope you liked last week's episode. It was fun. Mm-hmm. It was, <coughs> well, I mean, it was definitely fun. This we definitely week, enjoyed it. Yes. This week we're going to be looking at Margaret Pole. Okay, so Margaret Pole <sighs> was born in? 1473. I have a date. Go oh. on. Uh, the date I found was the 14th of August, so nice and oh, specific, but you know, because she was, yeah, <laughs> you know, she's a Leo. Uh, I feel like that could explain quite a lot about, actually, no, mm-hmm. I don't, I think it's okay, shit, so. Okay, she doesn't give massive Leo energy, but anyways, moving on. She was um, born at Farley Castle, Farley, Farley in Somerset, Farley, sorry. Farley. Farley. <laughs> Farley, um... <laughs> 2. Oh, George. To oh, you've I been to Farley. I've been to Farley-Harsley, away. 2. George, Duke of Clarence. So her father... George, Duke of Clarence. George, Duke of Clarence. Um, was the younger brother of who would become Edward IV, King mm-hmm. Edward IV. They're a Yorkist family, clearly. Her mother was Isabel Neville. Um, who's actually the granddaughter of Warwick the Kingmaker. We talked about him quite a lot in our first ever episode, Margaret Beaufort. He was really key player in the Wars of the Roses. Mm. Um so we have two pretty, pretty prominent parents really for her. Um Which is probably why we bought like almost a well, I found a date that yeah. might have been her birthday, but it's we have, definitely having a year kind of thing. She was the niece of the king. Uh, oh, she was the niece of two kings, actually. Edward the 4th and Richard the 3rd. Yeah. And Richard the 3rd, if we don't know, is... You know, he's kind of hated. Mm. Uh, if you least... check out the Tudor Talk Time Instagram account, actually, there's a great highlight of him uh, um, as the Kidney searcher from Tiddy Bang Bang. Yeah. As a Yeah. But her mother dies when she's three years old. Yeah. And But what they thought at the time was that two of the servants had poisoned her. So George has them both killed, but we don't actually know what happened. No. But that's kind of cute. That's kind of serving love. Despite the um, childhood parent death, she grew up quite wealthy. Um, the parent's household was waited on by... 350 servants around that mm-hmm. i know <laughs> george duke of clarence is so fun to say we just established <laughs> that from the beginning i will only be referring to him as george, duke of clarence. um and they divided their time between farley castle and the mighty warwick castle and they had many other estates so i personally would say i'm more team farley castle because i have personal connections um, yeah so i don't really appreciate you undermining it I've heard it's a great castle in Warwick. warwick. I've heard nothing about it. I've never been. I've also never heard anything about... Oh, either. I've heard nothing about neither of them. So, Mara is a wealth denier. She does not believe Margaret Pole was as wealthy. I believe (laughs) she (laughs) was (laughs) wealthy. Clearly. I I completely believe she was wealthy. In fact, I have some stats on her wealth that we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, no, she was rich, but I, you know, like, personally... I just um, don't have that connection My allegiance is to Farley Castle, Mm -hmm. and is apparently to Warwick. Um, so as we've said explained by the death of purposeful murder of the two servants, Margaret's father went a little bit off the rails after the death of her mother. Yeah, so he made an alliance with the Duke of Lancaster in the years before Margaret's birth um, in an attempt to upstage his brother, Edward IV, by seeking to marry the great heiress, Mary Duchess of Burgundy. Um, And in many other ways, uh, he was constantly trying to upstage the king. He has a rather rocky history with the, with Edward the Fourth and supporting his brother. He previously had allied with other people, so there was always a sense of kind of yeah. suspicion. I mean, arguably, this could be like you know, like youngest sibling, like in like kind of family like this, like such a powerful family. It's like they feel that they have something to prove because they're yeah. just like the youngest. They're kind of the discard. They're the, like he was like the spares spare spare true i think there's also you can really see their rivalry in Mm. that documentary what is it (laughs) royal bastards Bastards. that's really good and you can really see them kind of switching sides loads switching allegiances and not really being able to kind of find common ground yeah parliament found him guilty of treason uh and he was executed in the tower of London. and it's a legend, but I personally believe that it is true, that he was murdered by being drowned in a butt of Monsey wine. Um, that sounds like my kind of way to go. Um, so not only was he drowned in a vat of wine, he was also attainted, which meant that all of his lands, his goods, his titles were given to the crown instead of to his heirs. Um, luckily for the younger brother, Margaret's younger brother, he was already confirmed to see out of Warwick, so he didn't lose much. But Margaret had no inheritance, and she was completely reliant on Edward Fourth, the man who just condemned her father to death. Yeah, for you, love, you love to see it, to be honest. But, you know, it is. it's, you know, he is her uncle. Hopefully there is some kind of feeling of, like, loyalty or something there. He referred to her in accounts as his dear and well-beloved niece, so there's definitely no love lost there. Yeah. Uh, Which, you know, isn't going to be great for her. And although Richard III was married to Margaret's mother's sister, uh, Anne Neville, and we established her mother was Isabel Neville, so still a niece in two (laughs) weeks. In two different ways, but unfortunately, she's not yet stable once again because Richard III um, gets defeated, as we know, at the Battle of Bosworth. However, during this, because he was worried she was still a child, well, okay. she got sent with, he kind of sent all the royal children to. Sheriff Hutton Castle in Yorkshire to, like, be away from it, so to make sure that, like, you know, they would be taken captive or something like that, you know, to ensure their safety. And, um, so, yeah, then he's defeated and killed at the Battle of Bosworth and Henry the Seventh takes over. And the first thing Henry Seventh does is marry Elizabeth of York, who is Margaret's cousin. So, once again, she's got the yes. royal ties coming in. But Henry still acted with a little bit of of care. He wasn't completely trusting all these little York princesses. And so Margaret <laughs> and all the other princesses. So there's example, a lot of them running around. Some notable characters we've got Cecily and Bridget. They're my favourite because they've got a lot of different names. <laughs> um oh they God, were, it's really beginning to start of Tudor LA. No, you know. They were placed in the household of Henry's mother, Margaret Beaufort. Another yeah. callback to episode one. Yeah. Um because she was a very clever woman. He, she she yeah. knew how to keep them in line and he trusted his mother to watch over her. The them. other thing that I found interesting about Margaret Beaufort is that she was half sister to uh Margaret Pole's husband, Sir Richard Pole. So, you know, once again she's getting tied in really closely to the royal family and Henry VII chose this marriage for her. So, yeah yeah so as we said henry vii arranged a marriage to sir richard pole and with sir richard pole he was pretty high up in government his probably his best position was he was chamberlain to arthur who was the prince of wales and obviously at the time the future heir to england so that's obviously a very prestigious role henry trusted richard enough to put him in charge of his most important son honestly so in just to add a little bit more distress to margaret Uh, In 1487, her younger brother, who was around 10, 11 years old, uh, the Earl of Warwick, was placed in the Tower of London. We had the uprising with Lambert Simnel, who was pretending to be the Earl of Warwick because he did have a very genuine claim to the throne. Um, And so obviously Margaret was probably quite distraught with this. It's concerning in a number of ways But if your sibling is imprisoned because they're too much of a threat, you can imagine how she would have to be walking yeah. a bit more on eggshells. And I think it's just kind of sad that he's in prison because someone pretended to be him. Yeah. Like, think about that. It's like, did he, like, from her point of view he definitely doesn't deserve it, you know? Definitely. He's a child. Well, probably doesn't deserve it. And spoiler alert, he is not ever going to leave the tower again. Richard Paul, and margaret they had five children he's not poor i just he's not poor but considering as we talked about margaret's um father's income had been six thousand pounds per year which significant amount of money uh but now richard poles landed wealth amounted to a little more than 50 pounds so you can see it's yeah. Pretty difficult. You can tell see that Henry VII has strategically married Margaret a, well below her rank. To yeah, like, and it was quite humiliating. Some, yeah, but also to someone who can't, like, fund her trying to take Do power. Anything. Yeah. You know? To keep his wife Elizabeth happy, Henry VII brought up the income to £170 per year, still much, much lower than what maybe Margaret would be used to in, um, in her childhood but the king and queen did still very much keep the couple with they gave them lots of monetary gifts in 1493 margaret received 20 pounds from henry the seventh they were too generous um yeah so just to give a little idea of their finances we're gonna Um, do the names now oh okay let's go around the names who wants to start i'll start henry arthur (laughs) Reginald. Excellent. Geoffrey is the youngest. And then, unfortunately, in 1504, her husband dies, and she's left a widow with five children, obviously. And not a penny to her name. Obviously, a big it's a big task to undertake being a widow with five children anyway, and as Katie said, she's really left really disadvantaged by this death. They're forced to live in Sion Abbey as a guest of the Bridgetine nuns, which just shows just how poor they were. They couldn't afford to live in their own mansions or whatever manners. Well, like, people, like, their own, like, little, like, house. You know, they had to live with none. Yeah. Like, out of ch- they had to live off charity, basically. And to further rub salt into the wound, Elizabeth of York, who was arguably her biggest ally, died already in fifteen oh three. So she was really lacking that support at court. And yeah. Henry gave her just over 55 pounds of food and clothes, which... For five children yeah it's not really it's pushing it and also for someone who was born into royalty it's not what she is used to yeah and um, she's gonna re- remain here until Henry VIII comes to the throne in 1509 um because he marries himself to Catherine of Aragon so that you know creates a place in court for Margaret because she's appointed as sort one of Catherine's ladies and waitings um and she is and um, basically she you know they really take to each other they it, by all accounts you know, they seem to have gone on quite well and but in 15 oh, in 1512 she's convinced she's uh, you know they, they like her henry the and catherine of Aragon like her so much that they restore to her her inheritance of the earl of salisbury and she becomes a countess of salisbury in her own right, which she so she becomes the Countess of Salisbury in her own right. She becomes the fifth richest peer in England independently. And she has, um, oh, she, ha- she did have to pay to get her land back, but like it wasn't like a substantial amount. It's um, quite a substantial She had to take out a loan. Yeah, but was... bearing in mind how much she was gonna get from it, yeah, and she true. became the fifth richest peer, once she's got it, that, that thing is paid in seconds you know um or like you know maybe I might take like I've got that it was 18 months worth of um but anyway so the tide is really turning for her it looks like it's going up yeah i mean there could be a lot of reasons that they did this with Catherine of Aragon and her friendship with margaret but also there was quite a lot of guilt especially from henry the 8 about the treatment of Margaret's brother. He was executed on an act of attainder. That's always going to be a bit sceptical. And especially because he was in prison so young, it could just be claimed he really had a very limited education. There's no way in which he could be considered to have been intelligent enough. Yeah, to and I think decisions. I think also maybe Henry, this is like speculation now, but I think maybe Henry might have seen it as like, so she had five children and Henry was growing up, he was one sort of four kind of thing to quite a close family dynamic, he might have sympathised towards that and the fact that she was um, one of like, I don't remember how many, but she had lots of siblings as well growing up, so he might have em- like empathised with like the mm-hmm. kind of family dynamic of it. Like, uh, like, you know, I was saying that they were once-related kind of thing. Like, they're quite far away, but... I think it's also Henry Henry Seventh was so hated by most of the nobility because of yeah. the harsh kind of treatment he put over them. And Henry VIII, we see that he really wants to distance himself from that image. So yeah. first thing he does is he executes Ensign and Dudley. He basically just exploited all the nobles and kind of really took away a lot of their lands basically by act of attainder so we can see that henry VIII does doesn't want that to be drawn into his name so it's really important that he sets up a really good relationship with these nobles that his father didn't really have with them yeah um, so you know she's gaining lots of influence and like i don't know it's really looking up for her but then she uh and so what she the, some of the things she does with this um her first son was created baron montague another ne- of the neville titles like so from the ne- a title from the neville family and he got to speak for the family in the house of lords so that's quite important uh, her second son arthur was generally had quite a successful career once you know things were looking up for his mother as a courtier and he became one of the six gentlemen of the privy chamber so that's quite an important role you're quite close to the king as a gentleman of the Privy Chamber, because you know, you're you like have to look after like the most private rooms of the king, so that's that's really good for them. Um, so one of Margaret's most prominent, one of Margaret's most important duties, I would say, in her entire lifetime was she was the charge of Princess Mary, most notably her education, her health, her exercise, diet, and recreation. Um, and she well, she was the governess, yeah, I she like. was the governess, so she was had that amount of power i mean mary at this point was the only surviving i mean was all would always be the only surviving child of uh henry and catherine she was the heir. henry rather begrud- begrudgingly um like allowed her to live in wales and kind of assume the role that his older brother had had um And Margaret actually ensured that Mary continued to worship Catholicism. So she really did shape her to become the monarch. I think she would later become. Well, I think because Margaret clearly had a close relationship with Catherine, and Mary did get um, taken away from Catherine at a relatively young age. And I think Margaret kind of felt like the motherly instinct, and like she knew what. I think she had a feeling that she knew what Catherine would have done and what Catherine would have wanted. Yeah. So even when um, Mary was. Declared a boss in fifteen thirty three. Margaret still protected her, so because yeah. Cat- when Catherine couldn't, she refused to give Mary's gold plate or jewels back to Henry. Like she made sure that, like she, like she, um, she even asked to serve Mary at her own houses and like not expecting to be paid, kind of thing. And it's just, I think you can really see some like care for her there. Yeah. I also, skipping a bit further, I just thought this was really interesting considering our last episode on the Nun of Kent. Um, in times of the Nun of the Kent, Catherine refused to have anything to do with her and had instructed Margaret to keep the nun well away from Mary as well. Um, oh. But it was alleged that Margaret had had the nun's prophecies concerning the king's imminent death repeated to her. But, yeah, I just thought that was quite interesting. But in there is a little tie-in. Yeah, a little tired. in But obviously then... Margaret's Margaret's relationship with the crown is really strange she continues to support Catherine and Mary even through Henry's annulment campaign and also her son Reginald speaks out against the supremacy and he also so, speaks out against the dangers of the marriage yeah so this marriage. is treason so obviously it's not bringing a good name to her family Geoffrey Pole is also arrested and Margaret is kept in custody at times so, obviously, there is not, like, the good relationship that they had at the beginning yeah. of Henry VIII's reign. Well, I mean, her son really her son really is, like, the nail in the coffin for because he literally, like, I mean, I think saying he opposes Henry's supremacy is a bit of an understatement because he actively, like, argues with Henry. Then when he realizes he's probably going to get, like, you know, killed for treason, he, he flees to Europe and he goes around Europe urging and begging the Pope. princes of Europe. To depose of Henry. He calls Henry a robber, murderer, and greater enemy to Christianity than the Turk. Yeah, so, so I feel so to immensely her. bad for Geoffrey. He very clearly was not coping in the prison, and any time <laughs> he tried to kind of exonerate them, and go, no, we're innocent, we swear we have nothing to do with it, he just dug them a deeper hole. Well, he would get interrogated. He would yeah, he tortured. was under threat. I think he had threat of torture, and he was desperate not to do it. And... Desperate, you know, to save his life and the lives of his family, so he would. But by doing that, he would often mention a name or just even refer to his mother <laughs> oh, or brother. Me. And it's like, yeah, <laughs> <He's> I <like, laughs> like, 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 I try and like that's what I probably do. My mother's not like... guilty, she was murdering someone. <laughs> <mind>. just... <laughs> I'd be there, like, chatting with like the guard who's like giving me my dinner, and I'd be like, yeah. And so, then like, my mom said this, you know, and that, I was like, that's kind of weird. That... Like, Wait, your mom said what? I'd be like, huh? Weird enough, that is actually what happened. Stop! Um, so sometime in June 1538, an informer who was reporting back to Thomas Cromwell was staying in an infirmary which was maintained by Margaret. Um, whether this might have been by accident or if it was a direct plant to get... Um, to get uh, What's it called? information? Invasion. Yeah. Um, but the surgeon in charge, a man named Richard Ayer passed the time with this informant, not knowing who's an informant, obviously, talking about his boss, Margaret, and all of the fun things going on with their family. Um, he let it slip that the Pole brothers in England were communicating with their brother Reginald. Um, and it also came to light that Margaret and her council had forbidden the reading of the Bible in English. Unfortunately, in 1539, there is an act of attainder against Margaret for aiding and abetting her sons, Henry and Reginald. Um, obviously, this is treason. She is put in the tower. She's not treated really badly in the tower, in she fact. She gave warm clothes. Yeah, I Catherine, mean, Catherine Taylor was supposed to have said to have donated clothes to her. And yeah, Catherine's Taylor made yeah. her new clothes in 1541, so obviously she's not treated really badly. But she her, is actually on in Her execution 15... was treating her badly. <laughs> yeah, so on May the 27th oh. in 1541, she was executed. It was actually said that so few people were present that people actually doubted whether she'd been executed or not. Uh, but she had a very young axeman. Who, I read a wretched, blundering youth who literally hacked her head from her shoulder to pieces in the most pitiful manner. Yes, no and that was idea. from the calendar state of papers. So oh. yeah, obviously it's a hard end to a long life. But, but she, were, you know, she did she her best. Her she was also, she is 70 years yeah. old and Henry goes, yeah, she's still a threat to me. I know, but I mean... Th- Controversial opinion If you're going to get brutally ma- Brutally executed with a blunt axe You might as well do it once you're older And have lived a nice life. Yeah, Exactly I think she did pretty and well her, herself Her son maximises the situation He's like and he feels he says He would never fear to call himself the son of a martyr And he like really like Makes his mum an icon He really milks the situation I would say and then finally To sum it up I'm not a Reginald she, lover I'm not either uh, she's beatified which I don't know what that means because I've never heard of it and basically it means that like the Pope it's when the Pope like blesses someone or blesses their life and basically confirms their status in heaven and so she was done that like 10 years later and she has a feast on 28th of May so yeah I think a very nice end to a pretty long, <laughs> long life compared to <laughs> most people <laughs> a nice end a really thank oh, you guys God. so much for listening we hope you enjoyed it and we'll see you next week on Tudor Talk, Talk Time! time.